welcome to Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. Before we get to the episode, I just want to let you know I started a Discord channel for the podcast. So if you'd like to join that and talk about episodes and other game design related stuff, head over to theboardgameworkshop.com and you can find the link to join. This is another episode recorded at Metatopia. It ended up being quite a long one, about an hour and a half. So it's split into two episodes, but we had a lot of interesting discussion about game design and the industry with a lot of great guests. So enjoy. All right, now I'm recording, but I'll most likely edit part of this, so it has a nice start. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. okay. Are we ready? I think, I think so. so. I believe <laughs> so. We're, we're all, uh, the question is really, are you ready? Never. Oh, fair enough. I think we're ready as we're doing it. It's the intro. We're, we're the anxiously intro. awaining the oh, so start the of this. I will point to you, say your name, who you are, whatever you want. Ranga, you have to say your full Wait, name. Wait, we have identities. <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah, whatever, whatever name you want. Yeah, Veja is oh. my full name. We have agency. <laughs> right. We are recording. Name. I can hear you all more or less. Remember, don't hit the table. You can lean on the table. You can put your hands on the table. Do not hit the table like, <laughs> like this. Even that's okay. That's not. That's very bad. <laughs> Never that, that interview Noah Anderson. I'm telling you this right now. Good to know. His main thing is... Hitting the table? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a nervous twitch. I mean, I can do it with my leg instead. I, I, I got to do uh, something like play drums on the table. Anytime my play mind is running, my leg, I get that restless leg. I've been I'm just, offered valiant the old restless leg. leg. All I'm doing <laughs> is back in um, I got myself a restless leg. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm a real hard time. time. I'm just I play double bass under the table. <laughs> nice. That's how, that's all it is. <laughs> it's all blast beats, my friend. <laughs> just <laughs> that's where I come up with my best like drum beats. It's the best. <laughs> Just interviewing like, all like, the how time. Can I do, wait, how can I make that work? Wait, is that the hi-hat leg or is that the... <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are here at Metatopia. This is later in Saturday. I wanted to say the end, but it's nowhere near the end of Saturday. And I am here with... Runga. Ben Beagle. Luke Minch. Dave Beaver. And Fedja Buzancic. And we are talking about Metatopia. Sort of. I feel like we did this yesterday. Was that yesterday? I mean, it was less than 24 hours ago. It all kind of blends together. <laughs> yeah. Metatopia can do that. It's it's one of those experiences where it's just like one streamline of consciousness. It's like going to a fish concert. You're like, did I sleep? Did the music stop? <laughs> Dude, I went to it? Maybe it's the weed. I don't know. <laughs> I, went to a, I went to a fish concert in uh, Denver, Colorado. Okay. And that was probably the wildest experience in my it's life. It's amazing. Because I've never seen an outdoor stadium get hotboxed. <laughs> uh, I didn't even That's think it was possible. Yeah. yeah, there was there was a lot. There was a lot to take in. How much diet Mountain Dew are you up to so far this weekend, Chris? Uh, this is my first. Today or all oh, weekend? weekend. I call shenanigans. I had a not diet Mountain Dew for breakfast. There you go. That's different. <laughs> doesn't count. A part of that is a balanced <laughs> breakfast. It's, you pour it straight into your cereal, right? It's greenish yellow. That's a fruit. <laughs> early, mor- early morning dew. It's got lime flavor. We're going to say kiwi. We're going to go with kiwi. Yeah, absolutely. I never thought of it having a fruit flavor. It doesn't. Green. It tastes like the mountain. just chemicals. Hence why it's called Mountain Dew. Off the when was the last time you licked a mountain? Oh, I had it's a mountain light for me. I'm just saying. I mean, I had a mountain light from the lounge. Oh, oh. <laughs> is that the Walmart brand or the Target brand it's or whatever the... they buy? Brand, it's not real. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's still it's yellow. It's green. Whatever brand it is, it's brand new. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so how's Metatopia? <laughs> uh, it's been really fun. This is my second year coming. 
and uh, it just feels like I came in 12 hours ago it feels like I came in an hour ago and time flies by when you're having fun I guess oh, definitely. are you demoing anything or just hanging out playing stuff yeah I, I'm with Fajr um, we have a game called Deity's Domination that we are demoing um, we also have a, another game called Curry that we are working on but I mean we, it's not just about us demoing, right? We have played a lot of fun games today. So, Splits World was one of them. Um, I played I, that the other day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a very quick party game. We enjoyed that. There were, uh, we have been meeting a lot of different people around here, which has also been a lot of fun. Awesome. Splits World is the ice cream game, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, nobody's going to notice Splitsville. It's going to be the ice cream game. Yeah, it's, it's like, I played yeah. the ice cream game. Go play the ice cream game. There's always that game where it's like, did you play the game about Cthulhu trying to raise a puppy? Which I don't know the name of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, no, Splitsville is good. Did, I played it, did you play it at Unpub? Possibly. So it used to have a brain freeze track that was complicated and didn't make any sense. It's so much more streamlined now. It's good. So, yeah, so, I thought it was... It, it felt, to me, super appropriate for, like, um... Like if you have a, like a filler game in between games, is how how. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Filler game <laughs> in between games that uh, is how it was pitched. But also, I thought it would be super super cool for like if you had like a young kid that you were trying to teach uh, just how to play any basic board game. Yeah. Right, and you wanted to just teach them some mechanics, right? Just anything to get them started. Yeah. Uh, Splitsville was super clean for that. I thought. It was very that's, a, that's a really important wedge, and that's actually part of my design space is um, games that will teach kids basic mechanics while still be engaging for their parents. Yeah. Because I have a four-year-old, and I've played enough Candyland to last me a lifetime and a half. It's like the Pixar model, right? <laughs> yeah. You make the movie good for kids, but exactly. you also throw in a few subliminal sexual jokes to, <laughs> to get some That's laughs That's how Pixar makes money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pixar That's exactly what I said. I didn't catch any of those in Splitsville. There may be genitalia in there, you're just not seeing You weren't looking hard right enough. Now. I guess the Splitsville You didn't play Splits, Splitsville After Dark. Oh. <laughs> That's exclusive. not a banana. <laughs> oh, boy. That guy's... <laughs> so welcome, Sean. 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 Yeah. How's your metatopia? <laughs> Living the dream. He only has one name. It Seamless intro. Yeah. Seamless. <laughs> it's Sean. Sean. Kind of like Tom Sean. Tom. Sean. Right. It's like Mario. I got. Mario. I, got I was Christian Sean Dark, world. but now right. I'm Sean. Sean. <laughs> How many years have you been coming here? This is, uh, I think, my third one. Pretty confident, my third one. You keep coming back, huh? I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> you demoing anything? No, I I'm uh, I'm gonna, I help out Bill. He actually uh, did Koi, and uh, he's got a few other ones he's coming out with. And I do a lot of I build robots and I compete them across the country in competitions. And I'm really more interested in the. I know it sounds funny, but some people get there's an engineering aspect to board games, cardboard yeah. components, things like those lines. Just so the process. Yeah, it's and that really fascinates me more than anything else. <laughs> So, uh, well, you see some of the stuff that Kurt's coming out with, like Tower of Madness yeah. and all that, and you're looking at it like, how does that work? I want to see that. I want to take it apart. You know, I want to. I want right. to watch how this game is put together. Absolutely. How, how many dice towers have you taken apart, or cube towers have you taken apart, just to see how they each do different things and hold stuff back? Yeah. And yeah. That's There's true. a red cube that's been in there for six years. Like, where are the dams <laughs> in here? You know. Well, well actually, I think from, uh, it's really exciting. Um, have you guys seen the new? The new tower that he has for the dice to fall the out. The four-way? The four-way. So, I mean, that's not anything I've seen yet, which is pretty 
Hmm. You know, again, from an engineering standpoint, it's like, all right, how is this going to be durable? You know, I'm more interested in that aspect. How is it going to be consistent? And yeah, I know another designer has worked on, on something like that for, for design. Another, another designer is working on something where he's got a split, he's got a wedge at the bottom of his cube tower, so things go two different ways, and where they land in that catch tray matters. Is it Julio's? What's that? Julio Nazario? No, no, it's not Julio. Are, are you familiar with Julio's work at all? Uh, I'm terrible with names, but if I see someone's face, he's, I'll be um, able to get him. He's one of the game designers in North Carolina. He's that unpublished stuff. But he's he does a ton of like 3D stuff, like towers, the boxes, part of the game, all sorts of stuff. Really interesting stuff to check about it on Twitter. And that's actually something that I've talked to several designers about when you're talking about like 3D. I, I actually believe firmly the next step for board games is entering a code into a 3D printer and all of a sudden another part comes out. So maybe you're playing a game and all of a sudden you get a, a code number for the card from a card or something else and all of a sudden it prints out a meeple or a piece or a weapon. I actually think that might be the next step for board games. Because board games really need DLC. Well, that could, <laughs> yeah, we do. That, could be a that could be a fantastic way of doing like a legacy game, you know? Like having those parts. You mean you no. don't get the new episode until they release it? Well, no, no, no. In one you box? Don't what I'm box, saying is you like. Randomly you randomly print a mystery thing. Yeah, you have these mystery things in envelopes that have codes that you print them at appropriate times. Oftentimes, you can kind of feel out what's in a box of a legacy game based on the shape of the insert or, you know, on the back of the box, they have to like write what components are in it and stuff like that. Rise of Fenris, in particular, a lot of people are like, what's in the box? What's in the box? And like looking at the components, and you can roughly get an idea of what. Will what you can expect from the modules in that box based on the component listing. But if you have a list of a bunch of cards in there, and those cards are things that you're printing out, surprises are more legitimatized. It's more natural that sort of exploration, I think. Like all the guesses about why Seafall needed a battery? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's also greener if you think about it. All the Think of how much weight. There was there 5,000 games this year made or something like that. Now think of all of those components and imagine if you were able to print out a, a quarter of those components at your own house. Not only would it save costs for the publishers and save costs for the, 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 uh, the person buying, but you're now not shipping and wasting the fuel on tons and tons and tons of plastic. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, like board gamers of, of all people would would more commonly have 3D printers yes. in their homes. Yeah, there's the Venn diagram for all of that is yeah. real, real. <laughs> Intersects a lot. Yeah. yeah, I think there. I think there is something to be said though, because for me, I know uh, one of the things that I love most about about some of the games that I've played is, in addition to the artwork and, and how things come together, I really appreciate when a game uh, gets its message and gameplay across in a very simple way. Right, so almost almost the exact opposite of what what Sean was talking about. Where a lot of times I'm I'm way more impressed by like a more basic kind of uh, creation that has a lot of layers that you that you don't that you reveal over time. So one of the one of the best ones that I play. I know this is a really common game, but like Hive, for example, yeah. you nine yeah. or twelve components, and it's just like amazing how you can bring that game anywhere and anywhere you go you. Make like millions of combinations to, to play with your friends. Any time you play it, it's different. Yeah, you're discovering yeah. more and more of the tactics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's accessible. Like you can mm -hmm. easily teach it to people. It's not high skill oh, where it's man, just yeah. like 
oh yeah, you you know you have to like really dig into it to play high. No, here you go, here's high. Yeah, so I got I got into board games, uh, and when I started getting into board games, I would tell my friends, yeah, like I'm in, I'm into board games, and everyone. You know, you always get this like, weird look. Like Monopoly? Uh, yeah. Like, no, like, not like Monopoly. And I remember specifically, yeah, I, I went down to I went I went down to Austin, Texas to visit one of my college buddies. And I had just bought Hive and I just played it and uh, I beat Ranga in it four times in a row and then immediately <laughs> fell in love with the game. Have you beaten him that happen? Have you beat him since? No. Uh, no, no, we haven't no, made because uh, yes, he, but I used to stick. I need to preserve the record. As he won the game, he kept it uh uh, kept it hidden so that I never have to play with him again. And so, do that, uh, I'm going to end up winning more in the end. So I go through TSA <laughs> on the way down to Austin, and, and they pulled out Hive out of my backpack. Like, what is this random thing that came into our X-rays? So like, sure. Well, then I started really that several times. Actually. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what is this? Like, this is probably going to happen pretty often. Um, and I remember showing it to my friend down in Austin, and he w- we played. I think over the course of that weekend, for like 30 to 40 times. Uh, after we woke up and in between like you know when we got back to the bar and stuff like from the bar and stuff so like that it was just super fun yeah, right. Obviously. yeah. Every bit. that sort of magic is so work. great no, yeah. <laughs> but going back to that point about TSA if you own a quiver or have prototypes they will check it blocks of cards don't look like blocks of yeah, individual yeah, yeah. cards in an x-ray yeah. my quivers my boxes have been taken and checked so many times I don't know how many swabs they've wasted on the inside of my quiver, but they're earning their fee. That quiver is well swabbed. It's, it's quivering with fright at this point. I'm familiar with it. Sean works for United, so we're all obligated to hate him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast needs to know. Or pity him, one of the two. What do you, what do, you do? What do? You, what kind of crew are you? I'm are you a flight attendant. No, I'm a flight attendant. I look like your typical flight attendant. So you probably get a ton of like crazy benefits, like travel benefits, right? Like you can take advantage of some of the. So we, I can fly um, if there's a seat available for uh, the tax that it would cost for the airport. Nice. So maybe twenty bucks. I thought I got four Heathrow, (laughs) and then it's just like Heathrow's. Yeah, Heathrow's crazy, like hundred fifty bucks. In taxes, right? Yeah. Just taxes. So. Just for landing and takeoff fees. Out of ben also flies a lot. Yeah, it's insane. I hope you fly us. No. Oh. I'm out of Philly. I can fly anywhere in America. It's U.S. Air became American, and I can fly anywhere direct. Yeah, Philly. I'm not making connections just to fly somebody else. Yeah. Right. So, look, are you demoing anything? Uh, this weekend, I'm actually uh, working with Doug Lewandowski on demoing a couple of games that I developed with him. Uh, Simple Machines and uh, Tricky Dungeon are the two games that we're working on. Simple Machines, yeah, they're they're fun names. Um, Simple Machine is uh, Doug's game specifically, and it involves um, basically you're given uh, a certain number of components that you're working with, and one simple machine that's global that you need to use to solve a problem, like uh, mimes doing mime stuff, mm-hmm. or uh, kids are on mimes their cell phones too much. Oh yeah, that's my favorite one. That's the that one is that a always worldwide problem. <laughs> I mean, we need to deal with this now. I feel disturbed personally, and so coming up with these absurdist sort of solutions for this clearly epidemic where kind you, of issue. Where have you been exposed to mimes? Don't ask. No, I, I, no. <laughs> you don't want it to trigger, man. Let's, no, yeah, I was going to say, let's not, let's not get into the dark, deep, you know, underbelly of my personality. Let's don't, right I know. Maybe, I, maybe I was a mime in a past life, and maybe the mime life tore me apart. Have you ever considered that, Fidget? So, Marcel Marceau is his biological father. I'm just going to tell yes, you that right absolutely. now. Absolutely. 
and, and put all the speculation to rest. It's yeah. been confirmed the DNA test was done. Uh, but that's that project. And then the other one, Tricky Dungeon, is a uh, trick-taking style game in which um, each of the different players have asymmetrical rules on how they sort of score each of their hands. And so we're kind of trying to figure out the, the, the minutia and balancing of those different characters and that kind of thing, as well as some of the other intricacies. And that's a joint project between uh, Doug and John Dubois. I believe that's the correct name. Dubois. Dubois, thank yeah. you. I'm really good at names, I promise. I'm a, I'm a kinesthetic learner, I learn from doing. So, like, auditory is by far. Well, I mean, you have do do I don't know. <laughs> that I, Love you, John. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry, uh, John. Those are, the, those, are the two, those are the two games I was demoing. And I've also been doing some other work uh, for, uh, with, like, uh, John Gilmore. I've been doing a lot of testing with Jeff Frazier this weekend. Game um, name drop. Yeah, of course. <laughs> did you get the bell again? Yeah, you're going to get the bell out. Ding, ding, sure, ding, sure. ding, ding. Oh, uh, we have a name drop bell? Yeah, I did last he get, year. He, did, he, he did after the last one. Nice. Like last year, he did the name drop bell. Nice. Oh, that's more editing. Worse than swearing. <laughs> Continue. No, it's fine. Are we not I allowed just, to swear? No, I just, it's just he has to edit it out. out. Right. Oh. oh. So if you I say. I choose to edit it out so I don't have to put an explicit tag on the podcast. Yeah. Right. Okay. Absolutely. It is a choice. Well, we're going to. We're going to. Oh, believe me. You're going to spend your brain. You're going to do it Chris O'Neill was on this podcast at Metatopia last year. Wow. Did you hear any of that podcast? Was it just like long stretches of silence? Chris was fine. It was Doug. Was it Doug dropping it? I thought it was Chris. No, Chris. He actively stopped himself. Doug just didn't. Especially when Doug is tired. Oh yeah, for tired sure. Doug like is lunch. hilarious. He can get tired before lunch. Have you met Doug? Yeah, Doug. I'm gets, sorry, Doug. Yeah, uh, lunch, <laughs> man. lunch is a hard time. I'm really excited for like midnight Doug. <laughs> yeah, after the the LARP it's, No, it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Beaver, what are you showing? Uh, Besides your I, legacy game, we talked about that last night on the podcast. You know, if you ever make the Slack channel for that, we'll actually get started on it. I'm just going to put that on record. Ben Beagle needs to make a Slack channel for a legacy game. You heard it here uh, first, folks. <laughs> I, I'm showing three show separate notes. games. Um, the first game is uh, called Hero. It's a co-design I'm working on with Tam Myang. Uh, and it is an Ameritrash uh, area control game with uh, heavy kung fu overtones. Which were not present in the game I played. No, they were not have. They were not present in the game you played. Um, you just forgot to use cards. Yeah, that's the thing. You you left out a that's major game component. 50% of the game. And I can't hit you with the clue bat very often during the high <laughs> test and be like, do this thing! Um, so, uh, it's, it's actually been fairly well received uh, throughout the weekend. It was a lot of fun, even, even without that. It was a lot oh, yeah. Fun. Yeah, it's, uh, it's neat having the bag building aspect to it and all that. Um, and Tam and I have worked to put in some really unique stuff with uh, uh, the faction wheel that you know refreshes everything and makes the game more difficult as you move through it. But uh, the other two that I'm showing are uh, solo games. Uh, in a series solo that design I'm or on. like single player solo player games um, how is it showing a solo game here I've never tried that well the one test that I had went very very badly because the people that were signed up didn't show up and I got random people who avowed that they didn't like single player games um, always great for so play testing. the casual testing that I've done has turned out really well the official test not so much but these are part of a series I'm working on where there's a core mechanic that gets recombined with other mechanics to make a series of solo games, sort of like the Unlock series where there's um, similar things that get used over and over again throughout the series of games. I'm going to say the word series one more time, series, uh, just to make sure that that really sunk in. 
Is it a series? Um, it is a series. Are there multiples? There's two like right now. There's two right now with the third one that I'm just starting working on. Uh, so they'll have a self-timing card mechanic. Uh, one combines it with pick up and deliver, uh, and one combines it with set collection and um, uh, like an order filling where you have to meet certain demands for the cards. Uh, and then the third game will actually combine with worker placement. Um, so I'm interested to see how those turn out. The publisher's really excited to have a series on their hands. Uh, so look for that. It may be coming out in the next year to two. Can you uh, say the publisher? Games. Uh, Marshall Briggs is the, the guy who runs that. He's a really cool cool dude. So hi, Marshall. Hope you listen. Uh, that's where I'm at. Fedja. Fedja. Fedja? Fedja is my name. Oh, wow. It is, you know, uh, it is weird also in Croatia. So I've never heard everywhere. your full name before, and I was like, damn, that's a mouthful, dude. Fedja Buzancic. Yeah, dude, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. It's really cool. That is not what's on your name tag. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> Ranga, so Ranga's wife registered us, and she has a tendency to not put my full name, which causes fits at registration, because no one knows... Nice. They always like see Fedja Buzz and they're like, I think this is you. It's like, yes, of yeah, course it's me. I'm used to it at this point, <laughs> yeah. but, some, but Rando Joe may yeah, not be. Yeah, ton of Fedges. It's a, well, the it's other six Fedges are already showed up. Where are you? So, so actually, I learned that Fedja. So Fedja is a super weird name everywhere you go, even in Croatia. And so it's a derivative of Fyodor in uh, in, in Russian, okay. which translates to Theodore in English. So I'm a Teddy uh, in in America. So, so my Teddy. instinct is just to squeeze you now, and I'm going to fight that. Uh, oh, wow. So, give me a dollar. I will, I will give you a ten. All right. I'm not right. as hairy no, as a teddy bear. Squeeze it. Uh, so squeeze it. You got change? Hey, man. You got, you got All right, bro. Teddy. If you squeeze hard enough, I fart. So, uh, <laughs> you got to edit that out. You have to edit that out. So, my name's Fedja. I am working on Deity's Domination with Ranga. We've been working on it for two years now. Um, it's come a long way. Ben Ben Beagle was one of the first people to play it, and he loves to brag about how much it sucked. First no, how much first potential it had. That's <laughs> how I got you to go ghost white in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro tip, uh, Ben Beagle says that about every single game he has ever played, regardless. So, I watched him play Castles of Burgundy and talk about how much it sucked. Oh, that hurts a little bit. Wow, more Kafka-esque bitterness than me. So, uh, it's okay, Luke. It's okay. Just... Just breathe. I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm just surprised. When in doubt, we'll just go back to brouhaha. And yeah, brouhaha. We'll that will make everything all happy. All right, so it's, it's registered. All right. Here. So it's been a it's been a long journey, and I think um, you know we've we've been showing that that game mainly. We had a play test today. We had um, we have our high test tomorrow. So uh, it's been going really well. I think we we have come a long way as designers, and and. I think one of the greatest one of the greatest aspects of this show, which I didn't realize coming in, because this was my first uh, Metatopia. Yeah, Metatopia. So I'm a noob, total noob. Uh, I sent my representation last time. <laughs> yeah, I got an email about it like ten minutes before they walked up to me. <laughs> I get an email. It's like, hey Ben, I can't make it, but I've got people coming. I just told them to find you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's well, you're I'm the, I, 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 you know, very good on my feet. You made it work. So I think one of the things that's that's been very interesting to me that I didn't expect was uh, how many people I'd meet and like how how close how closely knit and closely tied this industry is. And I think I've uh, I thought I had a sense that it would be that way, given that I went to PAX Unplugged last year and it was I got that feeling kind of. But here it's really 
you notice it. You notice it really, really hard, and it's really exciting because um, it's cool playing other people's games, and it's cool putting your own work in front of people and getting this constructive feedback that yep. you know is at times very brutal, but always very honest, which is which is what I appreciate more than anything. Because at the end of the day, I think we all want to just make a game that people have fun playing, yep. and how whatever it takes to get there, uh, you know, is what it takes. Yeah. I've had some pretty low lows, <laughs> and uh, you know, thankfully, we're, we're on the up and up. Yeah, so yeah. It's and great I do time. think I do think it's really good that places like here with Metatopia, you can test games that are really really dense, like our game, which is a heavy Euro strategy game. It's it's not easy for us to go anywhere and test the game because yeah. most of the times people want to play a 20 minute game and a 30 minute game. Yeah. And only when you get either one of the unpub minis or you go to something like Metatopia, that's where you can really play those good games. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a whole range here. I mean, it runs right. from I've shown kids games here. You know, there's like simple dexterity games, and then there's like super heavy, crunchy euros where it's just. And that's the nice thing about having the schedule out and knowing ahead of time. You can actually look at it and say, "This is my jam. This is what I like." And there's also a dance party LARP, so there's no, everything. Hey, there's a hanging around a satellite dish LARP too. We played a dance party board game earlier, so uh, it's just it's the thing. This is what we get. It's everything. Yeah, I think the, I think one of the craziest things about it that that like really blew my mind was. Uh, you, you meet people that have designed these like super popular games that you've seen on Kickstarter or seen yeah. get published, and then you realize like, oh my god, these these products come from like people? normal people I can meet well, every day. It's not these like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. depends how you define it, right? So, so like uh, from these people that I meet like in my everyday life, that it it makes the games feel more um, I'll call it earthly, I guess. Is what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and I, super cool. I think a big thing of it is like Metatopia is a place where I think a lot of people feel safe to bring their weirder stuff to the table. Yeah. You know, you're able to bring like these really odd sort of experimental sort of ideas and feel okay with the fact that like people are going to be real with you. You're going to get some rough feedback, but you're going to get legitimate feedback, and you're going to be in a safe place to do it. There's no one here that I really feel, feel like it is out to get you. You know, this is a community of people who want the medium to be better. And we're all just working together to help make that a reality. Yeah, you can bring out really rough stuff. Like they have an alpha test option. Yeah. Or even yeah. just a group of people talking about it. Like you can bring no game and still have a play yeah. test. I've so seriously like, listed two of my three games as alpha because I'm just not sure. You know, and I want people to know that coming in. Like this could be really really ugly or it could be really really good and it's only going to be one of those two things it's not going to be anywhere in the middle yeah. but you can you can bring you can bring the most rando thing here yeah like yeah. our friend anthony anthony introduce Welcome yourself hey, hey, thanks anthony. for coming out rando. What a segue. <laughs> i got practice that was not <laughs> ham-fisted at all six six is that the longest here besides ben he's got me beat by a year oh Ben, I thought you were better than that. I met him at my first double exposure event. Yes. And then I bought one of their games. Whoa. Yes. Which game was that? It was the only one we sold. No, it was, it was the only <laughs> one. <laughs> no, it was a party game. I picked it. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. yes, which is no longer in print, so uh, that's worth a lot of money, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I put it up on eBay. eBay. You bought it for 20 so it's probably worth like 18 yeah. <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> See, the problem is Eric signed my copy, so it's worth like four. Right, yeah, no. You, you, you're the wrong person signing. 
So, Anthony, what are you showing off here at Meta this weekend? Well, this weekend. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's got the official he's voice got the official on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we are, uh, we're showing Sharknado the board game, mm -hmm. the officially licensed Sharknado You guys have been working on game. it for a while. Yes. Uh, this is, this is, we've been, we've been working on it for two and a half years. Yeah, yeah far longer than is warranted or necessary. But uh, we keep coming back because uh, we're, we're not actually planning on publishing it. We're just we, it's just we just keep bringing it back because we like to come to Metatopia. <laughs> uh, you can come without a game unit. I've been doing yeah, that for five years. Yeah, but then you <laughs> yeah, but then you just get the blue badge and like we're all pink badges here. And come on, it carries weight. I turn my badge oh, around, no, wear the pink shirt. <laughs> wait, turn wait, the badge wait. around, wear the pink shirt. People don't notice. <laughs> there you go. Are you badge shaming? Because no, bro. You don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. You ain't got a green badge. Get out of here. And it certainly ain't dark I, green. I, 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 ain't no Kevin, <laughs> I ain't no Kevin Greaves. Uh, no, but just to, to kind of compound on what you were saying there, like Metatopia is a great event. Uh, it is my favorite convention of the year. Absolutely. Uh, because of the... I don't want to say it's very structured, but there's there's no con hall. And that's how I describe it to people. There's no convention hall here. There's no booths. There's no there's no. Uh, we have to pause for selfie time. Yes. <laughs> we have to pause. We can't get a picture, man. <laughs> yeah, my mouth might know. be blurry. Uh, <laughs> isn't it always? However, I, I, I do hot mouth to your size size Hold it and feel better. I do have to disagree just a little bit. Like it is a very legitimate and very safe space for designers, but I do have to disagree a little bit that like about feedback and about sort of, the sort of people that, that test your games, and that's only because not everybody knows how to properly play test the game. This is very true. Like subjectivity is such a big thing. Go to the table. Any creative. Sorry. <laughs> in any creative medium, like it, it, and and gaming is one of the biggest, I think. And you will always get those people that say, you know, this isn't the kind of game that I normally enjoy, and therefore my feedback is going to be negative. Sure. You know, I, I think we've we've like I've definitely got that just about every year that I've been here, at least you know a person or two. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very, I don't want to say rare. It's uncommon. An uncommon thing, but it's still going to happen, and I really think that like one of the things that this convention could benefit from is a how to play. It's one of the panels into every yeah, year. Yeah. Every year, there's a how to be a good playtester, you know, panel. But I think that having that resource available more widely, like maybe on you know like a website or a video or something like that, you know, yeah. would be. Well, I almost really feel like that should be mandatory on Friday morning. Like that's if right? it's your first time registering, you have to go to this panel. Yeah. Because well, I've really given idea. feedback before I came my first year, but I attended that panel and I learned something. Yeah, you know, you're no matter what your experience level, there's always room for improvement. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I always liken it to, to to movies. Like you can watch a movie that might not be in your wheelhouse of of movie, but you can still recognize it. It's like a, a good, high budget, well made movie. You know, and say I could see how someone who likes this genre or type of movie might enjoy that, but it wasn't for me. And that's very much. As a, but games are a little more personal because you're making decisions. You're not just a, an outside observer uh, like you are with a, like a film or reading a book. You're involved. You're making choices. And I think that sometimes a lot of that negative feedback is comes from like that. The negativity is you know maybe you didn't make the optimal choices. Maybe it's not the kind of game that you would want to be. And it evokes an emotional reaction that like is kind of deflective on your own personality and people. 
you right. know, and then they, they project that out. Certainly. Well, sure. like that, that goes back to what designers. I was talking about with my test this morning, where, you know, the people I had, they didn't like to play single-player games. Uh, and so what I got was really middling because it wasn't what they did. Um, you know, and that that is something that can happen. Um, I, I feel like we're stretched a little thin this year, to be honest. Um, Interesting. You know, with, I don't know, my previous Metatopias, it felt like the schedule was really full, and it felt like my, my tests were full and all that, and I feel like this year has been a little, like, we need do more you, people all the time for every game. Do you think it's because we don't have the players, or do you think it's because we have more designers because the event has grown so much? I think it's there's because... there's more designers, so there's more options, and there's less people at each table. I think that's it. I think that there's more options. Um, and it, it may... So the designers grew, but the play catchers didn't. Right, and it may help to sort of limit that in future years. Um, because, let's be honest, I was able to sign up for four games in something like six play slots, and that's more than I should ever need or have as a designer. If I want to bring two games and have one play slot each, that's fine. If I want to bring one game and play it twice, that's fine. That gives a nice, tight, compact schedule that everybody can fill in. And I'm not saying those are the numbers that they should use, but I don't feel like it would hurt us to compress a little bit because it's become this... So when you have something that gives people an opportunity, there's a point where it rubber bands and it stretches out and people are taking advantage of the opportunity and then there's usually backlash and it compresses uh, and you lose some folks because of the restrictions and all that kind of thing and then it sort of like finds its evenness and I feel like Metatopia is at that stretch point where like there are a lot of designers the game industry is booming um, you know even with all of the consolidations that are on the horizon and all that stuff we're seeing a huge 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 like upsweep in the amount of games that are being published uh, and that means more designers more hopefuls making more games to try and get publishers to pick them up uh, and I feel like it's going to rubber band back down uh, where we're going to see some compression in the next couple of years and they're going to start limiting play slots and there's going to be you know you can do this and this and you can pay extra if you want more and honestly I don't feel like that's a bad thing I don't think it's a bubble but I feel like you know we're at a point where we're going to compress a little bit and we, we're trying to find the happy medium. We run into this with the unpub minis that we run at the, the game scheme, where there's a happy medium to find the right number of players. Right. Uh, we use 10 of Carl's tables when we run our events. He has 10 more tables. If I ran 20 tables, I would absolutely fill them with designers. Yeah. But it's disingenuous and it's wrong to fill them with designers if I don't think the players can do that. Right. Because we, we, we get a good turnout. Yeah. But it always still feels like we could use like five to ten more players. Yeah. Five to ten doesn't seem like a lot, but it's five to ten more people committing a Saturday mm -hmm. to something that they may not get an immediate benefit out of because of their want to, to uh, be a part of that community and contribute oh, yeah. to it. And so finding that is, 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 is hard, and I think that's, you know, that's why I asked, because here, you know, it's larger scale, same thing. We can always add more tables. There's plenty of space in this lobby that we're in right, right. now. Mm -hmm. But... Is, is it right to just add tables when we know we can't fill them with the people that need to be Right. Right, and I feel like another thing is the is the commitment, you know. Um, like, I don't remember, do players pay to be here? Yes. I pay $20 for yep. my badge. Okay, so, and the designers pay to be here. And the so, designers yeah. pay more than the players, <laughs> but the designers have the opportunity to right. give back to get some back. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a thing where I paid to be here and I want to actually get what I paid for. You're the customer. Yeah. yeah. And the players are the customer too. But I feel like there should, 
I don't want to say there should be a penalty if you don't make it to the playtest because things happen. We have we have lives. You wake up late, your kid's sick, your car breaks down, the hotel doesn't do your stuff the way they're supposed to do. It all happens. But when half of the schedule seems to be empty because people have bailed, it seems like there needs to be some controls there. And this Metatopia has been about networking mostly for me because, um, you know, I'm just not getting things filled the way I need to, but the networking has been fantastic. Um, so, you know, there's always a silver lining, uh, and that isn't really even a silver lining, it's half of why I come here. So I'm really, like, hard accomplishing half of what I'm here for. I'm kind of accomplishing the other half of what I'm here for. And yes, my hands are hovering just above the table, so I don't impact the grips. Very careful. Well, do you think, do you think Metatopia... Well, Metatopia is slightly different, but I've noticed there's a lot of conventions, and the conventions, I think, are stretching all of these things thin. I feel like all of them are, yeah. yeah so you have, you have so many conventions, you can't make them all, and that even pulls away from... Someone's having a good time. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pulling away like from... to hear. Yeah. People <laughs> pulling away from Metatopia, because they're like, well, if I can only attend three events, now they've got to go through all of these... Yeah, things that they're going to the gambits on which three they're going to attend because Metatopia was only a game in town three, four years ago for something like this and now there's other things and other places in our locations in the United States it's How long has this a, been running? Does anybody know? At least six years uh, This is 18? 18? Is it, is it Metatopia? I'm not sure Dexcon's in the 20s I'm not numbers on it Yeah It's kind of a double-edged <laughs> sword like where you were, where you were mentioning because you have on one hand you have all of these uh, more regional like local shows that yeah, are exposing way more people to board games it's cool to have your local tabletop con. yeah you know you want to have that where yeah. it's like oh yeah that's just it's, an hour it's drive it's great to get a new restaurant in town but now there's two restaurants competing for the same number of meals yeah yeah exactly sure right. absolutely mm-hmm. well, well not just design stuff because November alone you have B- BGG Unplugged and Metatopia as oh, well yeah. as several local and those are all in the Northeast, yeah, in the Mid Atlantic, Mepicon and Euro Euro Game Quest, right? We're going to in the next couple. Of and all of them have some sort of designer part. There's Unpub right. that those two major ones, right? Does yep. BGG Con do Unpub? Yeah, we've got twelve tables at Unpub. See, it's, well, and with Unplug coming everywhere. up so soon, yep. like yeah. that's going to be a big thing. I know people coming out from Alaska for that. It was stuff. huge. Like, people are coming year. from all over the place. It was so big last it's year. It's going to be insane, and like just the the amount of like build-up of, I think, people to that event specifically would be really interesting to see a PAX event with, like, such a huge outcropping of people from all over the place coming in. Like, will the event be able to handle that many people at once? You know I what I mean? Say, but I, I love how well-attended PAX U was last year because... Yeah, it was great. It, it's almost like there's the part of me that says, we showed them. We're the analog. We're the tabletop. We showed them. It's a thing. I agree with you, but I also think that something like this is still very necessary. Oh, yeah. Because there's an intimacy to Metatopia. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's why we keep coming back. Yep. You know, and it's not just because I can drink giant beers in the lobby and tell them in the pocket. <laughs> night. Uh, Motions to the floor next to 10, 20, or 15 percent? This one? Oh, no. The Modelo is like 5 your reason for being here. <laughs> oh no, no seventy not all of it. Seventy five. I thought the same thing. What percent of your decision is based on being able to train in the lobby of a hotel? That said that. No, but so uh, a lot of the bigger cons 
the, the, the Paxes, the BGGs, the God, Origins, the Gen Con, you know, any of those. Uh, there's like, there's, if you're not, you know, in that higher tier, you know, most of us, all of us, I think, are small indie designers, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's, yeah. there's, you know, we, we face this anonymity that's really hard to overcome. Yeah. Uh, here, there's, there's an instance we all know each other, and if we don't know each other, we meet each other. And then well, when we come back next year, we know each other. You and know, here I have rubbing met. shoulders with like giants in this. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, there just, are. Yeah. There they are. Show there up are and they sit at the here. table and eat pizza with you, and exactly. you're like, there are guys here on? that have, <laughs> yeah, great games that are out that are you know selling nationwide that uh, you know they're, they're they are where we want to be. Uh, and we sit at the table and but, play again. You know. And there's also people who want to be where we are. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. can help yeah, them people, get there too. Rong and I are a perfect example. Like we started, we started a year ago, a year and a half ago. Came to our first Metatopia. Now, like we're now you're on one of the best up. design yeah. podcasts in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great. It's crazy. Like it's I never thought. I honestly never thought I'd be doing this, but like it, that, it, it's cool. Like I feel like I'm working my way up towards where you guys are. Like you guys have published a lot more games than than I have. I'll you know. This, this well, exactly it. It's exactly it. And that's something I noticed about Metatopia that I think is really hard to explain. There is, I can't name a designer that is wishing ill will to another designer. Right. They yeah. all actually want to see. I'll introduce you to a few. Names. <laughs> <laughs> name names, no. Uh, it, Are you sure it's not personal? <laughs> Do we need to get that sign out from us? A little better. <laughs> But I mean, everybody wants to because everyone wants to see a kick-ass game, and everyone wants to see right. see succeed. But and going, brag about how they did it before it was a thing. Yeah, sure. And the, yeah. but it was interesting because we were talking about Pax Unplugged, which it was a bizarre thing because I went there and it was jammed. Yeah. And yet, if you were someone that had a booth there, they didn't sell any games at the board game convention. It was almost like everyone went there to play. Right. And then they didn't buy anything. It was so weird to hear that. Consistently for vendors. Several you were problems. you were you were the rare group. Were you, doing, were you doing family weight games? Huh? Yeah, family yeah, weight. That's what yeah, I hear. Family weight sold really good. Hobby yeah. games struggled because it was there's a lot of <laughs> non board gamers coming into a new thing. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. they really pushed that. Which and is great for the hobby and great for your level of games. Right, and great back to back, back to my legs. Like I yeah. was I was the target for that. So. Right, lower MSRP. I mean, first year there was a very very much a learning convention for a lot of yeah. publishers. I think. Well, and it yeah. felt like it was a learning convention for the convention too. Yeah. I'll was, be interested to see there what was changes. Quite a bit of shenanigans yeah. there. I'm coming this year just as a player. I'm, I'm coming this year as unpub. We're not the mayor. The mayor. You just are unpub. Mayor Beagle. There's like there's like twelve uh, blue pool noodles in the trunk of my car right now because they I was I was in a five below for my you know job that pays the mortgage and uh, they were all clearance so they were a quarter a piece and I'm like yep because that's the mascot yeah they were on like seventy five percent off clearance did you buy them I would have bought them for a dollar I bought them for twenty five cents instead I'm just saying there's only eight of us if we go outside and have a giant pool noodle fight you'll still have four in good condition after that's <laughs> right. Can we do that? but we drove Tanya's car so something oh. sounds really dirty about that by the way giant yeah. pool noodle fight that's <laughs> not a euphemism let's go outside <laughs> I'm into it either way okay, Dave I expect that game on the table tomorrow at 10am giant <laughs> pool noodle fight I Go. can do that yeah I've got paper and markers at the, at the hotel I mean we hard. bullied Ranga last year we can bully you this year that's fine <laughs> hey tell you what you make a slack channel for it and I'll make a game <laughs> <laughs> I don't appreciate that gesture, Pat. <laughs> I'll show you my magic trick later. 
with or without the pool noodle. What are what are some of the surprises you guys have had this year, whether compared to last year or compared to expectations? So my surprise was not having anyone signed up for my last playtest. Really? Like, Did you like fire? you were saying, it was yes. One, they found one person for me. I ended up playing a two-player, which was great because I needed a two-player test of it. Um, but I was not expecting that. Like last year, everything was full, got people, and yep. that was great. So, like you're saying, I think it is it is stretched more this year. Yep. And my my test today and my test tomorrow. No one has signed up for yet. I, I got mean, one tomorrow that has no one signed up. You know that makes the imposter syndrome flare up. That's, I was gonna say, that's the, the real problem is a lot of us struggle against that of like I'm not good enough I shouldn't be here um, like I'm only on my third year and like you guys are probably feeling this real large you know it tamps down a little bit every year but it's still that thing of like I do not deserve to be in this space and then when nobody signs up for something and you can't fill a play test that's they crushing they figured you out huh they figured you out they did yeah, they, they found did. me out they know they know and I everybody can smell it the after dinner walk <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that really I'm is I'm sitting rough. at the table. Everyone is leaving for dinner. Yeah. I'd say the, the, the three worst blocks are first thing in the morning, 10 to midnight, and right after dinner. Yeah. And mine are yeah. first thing in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can't, not everybody can have the prime block. That's the sure. thing. Right. I mean, but it could if they get cut a it down. Prom. You should get A, not all of them. Block. You should, you know, yeah. And yeah. a lot well, less designers my paying. High my high test was a poor month. I mean, the scheduling is massively complicated, and I don't think there's any way to do it perfectly. No. And I, I appreciate all the work they have to put into that. I cannot sure. imagine what those spreadsheets look like. <laughs> I think, but I think I in general, uh, what Dave is bringing up and what you are bringing up is the the industry is growing so rapidly. Are we really uh, meeting the demand that is out there, or are we starting to see supply overtake that demand? Because the the sheer number of people that are making games now, mm-hmm. the sheer number of conventions. And the sheer number of games that are getting on Kickstarter does uh, is yes, there are more and more and more people coming into the board game hobby. I can tell you from personal experience how many more friends have joined the board game hobby in the last couple of years. But is it just that we are at a point where this is growing into a bubble because there are a lot of play- people coming? It, it, it should. It should self-regulate, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. So so yeah. Maybe there is a bubble now, and maybe maybe. Things kind of blow up at a at a rate that can't we can't keep up. I wouldn't say bubble. I feel like that's a dangerous. Yeah, thing. yeah. So, I mean, so we're not making we're not making delay. like foil overlay boxes. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You know? You're right. Bubble's not a good word, but well, you're getting there's a lot of, a lot of new players coming. In, like Pax Unplugged, mm-hmm. massive amount of well, new players, but yeah. they're new players. Yeah. Right. They're not playing high end games. They're playing family games. They're playing light games. So right. that market, I think, is doing very well. And we all like, laugh at high face, but you know what? If if Ronda brings two friends. And they each bring two friends, and they each bring two friends. Eventually, we run out of friends. No, we well, don't. People keep getting born. <laughs> then I'm an extra. Right. Yeah, speak for yourself. Why just make new friends? Yeah, nailed it on the head there. Like, what we have to do as designers is go out and recruit friends to join the board game industry. Just don't let them be designers. Right. We're like, I got an idea for a game. You're like, pass that over here, and I'll give you 10%. Right. Dissuade them from making their own games and just turn them into gamers. When you're here, be positive. Right. When you're home and they show you the thing, tell them it's the worst thing you've ever seen. You're disappointed. You're there. Right. No, no, I'm saying just be like, look, I'll give you 10%. Just let me take this over from you. Just, just job done. Actually, I think one of the biggest issues is, and I'm going to steal a quote from a good CEO I had, you're only as smart as your dumbest competitor. And I think the biggest problem that you're seeing now is 
so much access to um, Kickstarter, people are making decisions and handing out board games that can never be made profitable at the rates or the things they're selling at. Yeah. So when you're turning around and you're seeing a board game going, look at this board game. I bought it for $99 and it has 300 miniatures inside of it. Max vs. Minions was a huge issue with that. Yeah. They yeah. lost their ass on it, but now the market is expecting, expecting something that is not possible from real game publishers yeah. because somebody decided they were going to do what their pet project was and they just took a bath on it in the end because they underestimate what shipping is going to cost. They underestimate how long it's going to take from China. They didn't put enough in there for the tariffs that could hit everybody else. And so that actually has a huge hit on what people that do this for a living are in. And the problem is, is that so many people are involved and the internet's so involved. You don't have it. We have almost an endless supply of idiots right now out there making board games that will never make money at that point. To this point, they keep making new idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Yeah. I mean, so as they keep going through it, so now you have a problem where you have unbelievable expectations for board games that can't be made profitable. So now you have to try to figure a way around that, and, and, and it's really starting to thin the herd out. And I think it's actually hurting stuff here. Absolutely. And I think a project like that, like, Mexican Minions is a good example of that because it's one of those games that you have to buy directly from the publisher. You don't see that in stores, you know? It's one of those games that I think partially doesn't have enough advertisement or enough presence in the hobby stores to really make its money back so well because you have to go hunting for it. You have to know about it, hear from a friend about it, go looking for it, and order it specifically. And it's always at one price. You can't like find it for a deal or something, which a lot of people who are first getting into the hobby don't want to drop $60, $70, $80 on these big games. They want to go on Amazon, find something for a bit cheaper, try it out, feel that niche, and then go out into the board game stores or right. the other hobby stores and really look into that. So it becomes a very limiting thing based on the limited locations, aka one location that you can get it at, and that's it. And then we're talking about buying it cheaper, you know, that ties into the thing where you're seeing a lot of people that are selling, they're reselling new and shrink games on Facebook groups or on eBay because, you know, we have all this stuff that's coming off of Kickstarter that's, um, you know, just sort of, like it's hype, but then when people get it, they never play it. It sits on the shelf and well, everybody has their shelf thing I was going to bring up. On top of the whole marketing, like, can we sell games? Is there a market for it? Right. No one's playing most of these games. Like, I buy right. a ton of games. I don't play them. I don't have time. Yeah. But I'm sure most... Like, there's 6,000 games coming out a year. Yeah. There's a lot of gamers. Yeah. No one is playing 6,000 games a year. No. Right. And, and that's that's this year. You add into that the back catalogs from every year before this. You know, what was the new hotness last year and that you're year, just now year. getting on resale? That's all for this episode. The Board Game Workshop is a member of the Indie Game Report. Check out their reviews and interviews at theindiegamereport.com. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, especially our inventor-level supporters, Chris Turner, Alan D. Eckert, Brad Batchelor, and Roscoe Shop. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash theboardgameworkshop. You can follow the show on Twitter at TheBGWorkshop and on Facebook at TheBoardGameWorkshop. And join the show's Discord channel to discuss episodes. You can get links to all of these and the show notes for all episodes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening.